Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show. And we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. As you guys know, Team USA recently went to the FIBA World Cup and got embarrassed. They didn't win any of the medals. Not the gold, not the silver, not the bronze. And now you have people making excuses for mediocrity and basically saying, oh, no, 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 it's no big deal. Who cares? Who cares? Because we're always going to win the Olympics, right? So who cares if we lose this? Like, who cares? So we, so basically, we just went out there to just show our showcase our talent. Like, what kind of stupidity is this? So... If it's no big deal, why even bother go, going? Help me figure it out. If it's no big deal, why bother going at all? Why don't you stay at home? Spare all of us the spectacle. Spare yourself the work? Because after all, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're not going there to win. And if we don't win, so what? So why go? Why attend? Why even bother? Of course it's a big deal. You went there because you wanted to win. Those guys were playing hard. They couldn't pull it off. Stop with the nonsense. It is a big deal, right? Because your goal is to win. That's number one. Number two, in the aftermath of this, various people have been saying various things. As you guys know, uh, Noah Lyles called out Team USA, for um, called out the NBA, excuse me, for calling themselves world champions when they don't compete in international games. He said, you can only consider yourself a world champion when you're beating teams from foreign countries. Uh, some people in the background couldn't figure that out. I don't know why, uh, but some of us were able to understand quickly. And as a matter of fact, we produced the show yesterday. I suggest if you guys haven't seen it, you go check it out. It's on the channel. It's featuring uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, where he's essentially uh, coming to the coming to the defense of Noah Lyles on a very uh, on a very rudimentary issue that a lot of people somehow ended up getting tripped over their 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 ignorance and lost their way and they couldn't figure out the the obvious thing about it. So that happened. And then I was kind of going through the internet, seeing, you know, what was being said about this news. And then I came across a clip from the J.J. Reddick show. And in this uh, podcast, J.J. Reddick was assessing uh, what happened, you know, with Team USA at the World Cup and the FIBA games. In a typical J.J. Reddick fashion, no one is saying J.J. Reddick is not a smart guy. No one is saying he doesn't understand basketball. We're talking about his predisposition towards things that he's discussing he's always going to come to the player's defense even when there are times when there's just no need to be defending players and in this particular case jj reddick went out there and said well you got to understand the players they tried and this and this but you got to understand these guys when they're playing you know they turn into michael jordan when they play in these tournaments right 
So what we want to do is we want to play what J.J. Reddick had to say, where he was essentially trying to explain away why Team USA lost, and then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to what J.J. had to say here. It's, this is not a knock on any player on that roster. It's not a knock on the people that put the roster together, because I said two weeks ago after we lost, um, talking to the Dunker Spot guys, still feel very confident. I still like the roster. I still like, how, I still like the thought process of how they put it together, but the flaws showed themselves yeah. multiple times. Steve Kerr said something. It was a very Coach KS comment. It's like, these guys, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, I feel bad because these guys are worthy of winning a championship. Yeah. This was a good group. And I, and like fr from the games, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch the New Zealand game. I watched pretty much every other game from, from the games. Like I'm proud of our group. I don't think it was an effort issue. Um, I, I, I go back to some roster limitations and I go back to not quite grasping FIBA basketball because yeah. it is very different than the NBA, which brings me to my next thing that I want to say. I saw a lot of fucking weird discourse on Twitter bashing our guys, right? Started with Brandon Ingram, who I've already talked about. Coach Case said this about, uh, I can't remember who he was talking to specifically about, but he said this. When these guys play for their national team, they turn into Michael Jordan. You think about uh, Luis Scola. Very good NBA player. Incredible for Argentina. Evan Fournier. Very good NBA player for a number of years. Amazing. Last World Cup, he was Amazing. Michael Jordan. At the Olympics, he was Michael Jordan for France. Patty's a little bit older. He killed us, killed us multiple times in the past. Yeah. 28 point games, 32 point. Patty Mills turns into Michael Jordan. In 20, he did. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder this year. Go back to those Spanish teams like Rudy Fernandez, solid NBA player. Juan Carlos Navarro, he only came over here for one year. It was my rookie year. Average 11 points for Memphis. Really good player. Goes in place for Spain is Michael Jordan. And so this brings me to why the knocking of our players is so ludicrous. Think about the human nature of this. You play a role on the Knicks. You play a role on the Pacers. You play a role on the Wolves. You play a role on the Nets. Whatever that role is, it's a role where you get to star. You get the ball in your hands. You get plays called for you to operate the offense. We're asking you to sacrifice. Let's flip that. You're the backup point guard. You're our spot-up shooter. You're a guy that's coming off catch and shoot. Your only thing you're going to do is play two-man game with Julius Randle. Now, you're on the national team. We're running every play for you. Who do you think's more excited about their role? What is the human nature of that? Who do you think's yeah. more excited? The I mean, guys that are getting a bigger role or the guys that are getting a lesser role? And, and that's not to say they don't buy in. I'm just saying it is human nature that you're not going to be yourself in this setting. It is very hard. So you heard, you heard what J.J. Redick uh, had to say there. Let me just quickly give you guys some, some of my thoughts before we continue on with the show. He said that these guys turn into Michael Jordan when they play in the international competition. Uh, in 2008, when the, the Redeem team, excuse me, was assembled, all those American players like uh, Kobe and all of these guys, LeBron, D-Wade, they all turned into Michael Jordan or not? Because when I watched those games, it looked like they were really trying. 
it looked like they were really sweating in that fourth quarter against Spain. I could be wrong. What about what about in 2021 with the Olympic team? You know, when they beat France, 82, I mean, excuse me, 87, 82, then, you know, that five point margin. Oh, let me guess. Those French players, all of them turned into Michael Jordan, I guess. Right? We got to stop. We got to stop. It's a way of making excuses. They lost. Stop trying to explain it away. They lost. And it's an insult to the competitors is that you're basically saying we're not this bad and they're not that good. No, they beat you. Move on to the next topic. And it seems like I'm not the only one that is beginning to get nauseated, beginning to get nauseated, finding this nauseating. Some of these points that J.J. Reddick is bringing up, because apparently Chris Broussard and Rob Parker are getting fed up, too. Just yesterday. I caught a segment of their show, which I really enjoyed. Chris and uh, Rob Parker showed the odd couple and they were discussing this. And what you see, what I like about these guys is especially Rob, Rob don't be, he don't be holding his tongue, man. He be calling it exactly how he sees it. And I love that because we need more, more of that. And these guys, I also like that they're naming these guys by name. They're not just restricting their criticism to just athletes. And I like that because they're providing checks and balances within the system. When they were discussing this and they were discussing the comments that J.J. Reddick made, both Chris Broussard and Rob Parker called out, uh, called out J.J. Reddick for going up there and basically spitting a whole bunch of nonsense all over the, the computer screen. So what we want to do is want to quickly play what Chris and Rob had to say in response to the things that J.J. Reddick had to say. And then we're going to continue on with the show. Take a listen to what Chris, uh, uh, Chris Broussard and Rob Parker had to say about J.J. Reddick. Take a listen to that. Really? Is that what they need to do? Like, you're going to put LeBron out there at 45. You're going to put AD out there so that he could rupture something. I mean, I, really? Is that what you're going to do? I just, well, that's, the, that's a good point. I mean, LeBron at his age. What, what is he doing I mean, I over there? I would imagine he'll, he wouldn't play. I mean, maybe he'd play a lot. But you know what I mean? You're right. I mean, you, LeBron can't be risking injury. I just, I don't, and AD I, I just, is al- always a freaking... That's what I'm saying, Chris. Like, if I'm the Lakers, I'm like, really? All the money we put into this and what we're trying to do? I just, it's nice to play for your country, Chris. They they can't do it without you? Like, really, we need to, what what we need to get Michael Jordan to play too? Is that, we need him back (laughs) in order to beat Lithuania and these other countries? All excuses, all and, and I saw a JJ Reddick podcast where he he made excuses that every player from the foreign countries, you know, uh, NBA uh, who are in the NBA, they played like they were Michael Jordan. He played, you know, like they just this was their hurrah, so they 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 bulked up and and played their best games ever to beat the United States. And I'm like, thank you, Chris. It's the biggest, it's the biggest excuse. You don't think Anthony Edwards, that this was important to him? Thank you. You That's what I'm saying. You don't think this was important to Austin Reeves and and, and Jalen Brunson? Right. You think they want to lose? Right. And Stop to use it. that as like they played great because they were playing the United States and and all those guys and all the hogwash, total excuses, Chris, to bail those guys out. They lost. They shouldn't have lost. It's embarrassing. How's that? And let me say this now, Rob G. Who who are the guys? Give me some of the names again: LeBron, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Draymond Green. According to the Athletic, all of those guys have already said we're in. No matter what, okay. we're we're going. So you heard what they had to say. I agree with everything that was said. 
everything that was we got to stop with the nonsense we got to stop with the nonsense you're insulting the competition in 2021 when team usa won that gold medal with just uh with just a five-point differential let me give you some of the names on that roster because there's this kind of thing flying around here, which is essentially saying, oh, the reason we lost is because we didn't send our best players. And if we send our best players, it's not even going to be close. Let me give you guys some of the names that were on the Olympic team in 2021. Kevin Durant, Bam Adebayo, Devin Booker, Jeremy Grant, Zach Levine, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, uh, Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard, just to list a few. These are all NBA caliber players some of them are league mvp guys that were on that team nba champions that were on that were on that team and they had to compete and kd had to come up big for team usa to win so this thing of oh all we're going to do is all we need to do is just send our best players and we're going to go out there and these guys are going to see us and start twerking it up and stop playing defense and we're going to win is laughable Number one, the international game is different. The rules are different. Number two, the, 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 the American team decided that, you know what? Fine, we're going to be outside. Where the size doesn't matter. We're just going to go out there. We're going to just run our small ball lineup, and everything is going to be all right. We're going to shoot threes out of the building, and they got destroyed on the boards. Because unless you're pulling out a starting five and four of those guys are Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, level three-point shooters, you're going to find yourself in a world of trouble. The team wasn't balanced enough. There was no inside presence. And think about how embarrassing it is. It's that embarrassing. They're talking about, oh, LeBron and these guys want to join. I'm happy that LeBron wants to join because he wants to go represent his country. Good for him. They're now talking about recruiting Joel Embiid. Now, now Joel Embiid is American. <laughs> oh, my God. Joel Embiid is now American. I think Joel Embiid is from the Congo or Cameroon, one of those countries. And now because he's going to get, get a citizenship, oh, now we can, we, can, we, can, we can pull him along too. Why do you need Joel Embiid? Why do you need him? Why do you need him? It's a joke. The whole thing is a joke. And is this attitude is the reason why these European guys are kicking their asses up and down the street. Keep lying to yourself. Keep telling yourself that these dudes are not really good. Nah, they're not really good. We're just imagining it. They're not real. Like, Nikola Jokic didn't just win the last, what, two of the last three MVPs. That didn't happen. Joel Embiid didn't just win the last MVP. Giannis Antetokounmpo did. And by the way, let me close out with this. I hear a lot of cats talking greasy about Giannis Antetokounmpo when he said that he doesn't like the fact he doesn't like training with some NBA players in the summertime. And some dudes were like, oh, you're going to be training with your brother. Yo, I got to call some of these, 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 these clowns out. Some of these NBA dudes be acting like clowns. You got a lot of guys that got a lot of commentary about a Giannis who have, not, who have not even accomplished a quarter, a quarter of what Giannis has accomplished. Not even a quarter. Forget about one half. And you got these dudes commenting on this dude. This is what I don't understand. Giannis has accomplished as much as Kevin Durant. You don't see them going at KD like that. All time, I would put Giannis, although KD has more championships, but I would put Giannis, if Giannis wins more champion, wins another I'm putting him ahead of KD. I'm sorry. 
a dude that can get you 30, 12 plus rebounds, be a defensive player of the year. I think he won a defensive player of the year, two-time league MVP, drop a 50 ball in the NBA finals. And they talking about this dude like he's nobody. Nah, he not really nice. Is this disrespect that's causing you dudes to get your asses spanked every year? Y'all are acting like these dudes are not really for real. Y'all are acting like they not for real. Nah, Giannis, he's not that good. But none of you dudes can do what he does. He's not that good, but nobody does what he can do. So if he's not that good, go do what he's doing. You can't do it. The only reason they're talking this madness about Giannis is because, number one, these dudes are acting like them chicks in high school. Now, we clicked up. This is the pretty girl club, and she not a part of this club. It's like those pretty girls in high school that was mad at that other chick that was beautiful, but she ain't want to be down with them. That everybody likes, but nobody likes them because they're, they're stuck up. And that girl got a great personality, and they're trying to figure out, why does everybody like her? Why does everybody want to talk to her? Because she's personable. Y'all are too busy doing uh do, doing whatever the hell it is y'all doing. Y'all are haters, flat out. It's a common thing of current NBA players, former NBA players, always finding a way to hate on Giannis. Meanwhile, he's more accomplished than the whole lot of them. Giannis can put his resume against any NBA player in the NBA today, minus LeBron James and maybe Stephen Curry, and hold his own just fine. And hold his own just fine. But let it, let's leave it up to these dudes. Who's going to be training with his brothers? Well, apparently it's working. Apparently, winning a defensive play of the year and two MVPs and a finals MVP. Y'all been training with whoever it is. Y'all been training. Why y'all don't have those results? Why y'all don't have those results? Y'all are talking about Nikola Jokic. Y'all ain't got no answer for that dude. Enough with the disrespect. Y'all are looking weak. Because it, it's, bor it's born out of a place of fear. That's what it is. It's fear. You can say whatever you want to say about the guy. Who comes with more intensity than Giannis Antetokounmpo in the NBA? Name the guy. Name the guy. The dude is a barbarian on the court. A barbarian. And you dudes can't stand it. Y all, y all, th these dudes are clowns for this. It's the same thing they did to Nikola Jokic in the All-Star game. He was one of what? The second to last pick? He was better, arguably, than everybody on the stage. And they picked him last. He was better than, arguably, every single player on the stage. And they still picked him last. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. So, as you guys know, um, a former player, former NBA player, J.J. Redick, is one of the biggest names out there in sports media, especially when we're talking about the NBA. Uh, as you guys know, he's a former three-point um, shooter, sniper. In the NBA had a very good career. Uh, then, um, uh, what is it? He transitioned into media after he retired. He started his own podcast, the JJ Reddick podcast or the old man in the three. I'm still trying to figure out what's the name of it. And it ended up becoming a very successful podcast. Then before you know it, he found himself on ESPN. He landed a, a, a gig there and he did exceptionally well there. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we first heard the news, he was going to join ESPN. We produced a show about it, a 
over a year ago talking about our excitement of him joining uh, ESPN. But since he's been on television, although he gives great in-depth analysis, what we've all discovered is that JJ is a player's guy, right? So uh, basically he goes on there to defend NBA players. And there have been times where he's gotten into some heated, uh, spirited debates with people like Chris Mad Dog Russo, uh, Kendrick Perkins, and even Stephen A. Smith, right? They've had some classic blowups uh, on television. But initially, when he joined the ESPN First Take crew, uh, it was him and Chris Mad Dog Russo. And if you know anything about Mad Dog, he's a person that uh, is from the previous era. He respects players from the past. And I think it's good, to be honest with you. I think it's good because the positions that Mad Dog takes, I believe, allows us NBA fans to learn a little bit about the history of the sport, right? He he talks about players that we otherwise wouldn't discuss. And I think it's good because you then end up having a, mo a more robust understanding of the sports, of the sport and all of the players that went into, uh, that that played it, that created, that brought it to the present day where it is uh, today. But, but a few months ago, they had an infamous blow up on television, right? And it was centered on whether or not Larry Bird uh, is a great three-point shooter. Chris Mad Dog Russo was saying Larry Bird was one of the greatest shooters of all time. And J.J. Redick was pushing back on that notion. And they ended up getting into this very, very uh, heated back and forth. So what we want to do is just to jog some of you guys' memories. want to quickly play that exchange of where Chris and, and uh, J.J. are going over uh, or basically arguing over the fact of whether or not Larry Bird is one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time. So take a listen to this exchange here, and then we're going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to that there. James Naismith invented the game. You were rewarded for putting the ball in the basket. There's plenty of people that have shot more, made more, and guess what? Made more at a higher percentage than Larry Bird from three. I'm not saying Larry Bird is not one of the greatest shooters ever. He's not one of the greatest three-point shooters ever. Yes, you is. cannot make that argument. Yes, I'm sorry. Because the 80s was so much different. There's physicality, the way they guarded people. I'm, you couldn't can you can Doug, we get, can we get all I've been trying to make a point. Seriously, can I've been trying to make a point for you, Doggy. Come on, man. Well, I've been trying to make a point. Hold on, guys. I mean, I don't think that counts. You know what? You and I are going to sit down. You and I are going to sit down. We're going to sit there. And we're going to watch finals games from the 1980s. We're going to I'm going to show you physical basketball versus physical fouling. You're watching them on YouTube. I saw the games. I watched the games at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th this is. I watched all these games. You didn't watch. The, you weren't alive when these games were being played. Did you see Bird right. play against the Lakers in '84? Did you see Bird against the Rockets in '86? Were you at courtside watching these games? No. You got to watch the games at the time. Okay. Watching them on YouTube 40 years later okay. is not the same at the moment. So, so watching the let me ask games. you a question then. When I when I when I watch, let's say Steph Curry for example. Right. When I watch Steph Curry off the ball in a playoff game. Oh, he's great. Getting grabbed and held by Marcus Smart. They're attached to him at all times. Right. Then when I watch Larry Bird come off a pin down and no one's within five feet of him and they're shooting the gap. So you heard uh, the exchange there, right? Pretty heated and they really got into it. When JJ came out and made those comments originally, a lot of former NBA players started going at him. Because it wasn't just those comments. There were some other comments when Chris Mad Dog Russo was talking about players like Bob Cousy. And he basically said that he was playing in an era where they were, he was basically playing against uh, plumbers and firemen. 
when some of the NBA greats caught a whiff of his comments, they absolutely tore into J.J. Right. I mean, they really did. Starting from Jerry West. Think about it. Jerry West, the logo, one of the greatest, arguably the number three greatest shooting guard in NBA history. Some people say between him and Dwayne Wade. One of the greatest. Somebody that inspired Kobe Bryant, uh, uh, Michael Jordan. Jerry freaking West. Jerry West, right? Uh, went at him. Uh, who else? Bob Cousy himself went at him. And a plethora of other uh, uh, talented NBA players from the past. Uh, 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 Cooper went at him. They were really, really upset with what he had to say. And a lot of them took the position of, who is this guy saying this? How can he be out here saying these crazy things that he's saying? He ought to know better. He's an NBA player. How can he be saying this? And at the time, we were actually producing shows around it where I was essentially saying that, listen, man, it is a very, very bad look. A very, very bad look when you have an NBA player, a modern day NBA player, talking that way about players that paved the way for the sport. You ought to have enough emotional intelligence to know that, for example, Larry Bird is one of these guys that you just don't talk about in that way. Because had it not been for Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, there wouldn't be the NBA that we know and love today. It just wouldn't be. And when you have players of that caliber that did that much for the sport, and then you have a guy that that benefited off of the foundation that these guys laid to then go up there on television and just dismiss them, like as if where we're just talking about any old player, you can understand why these guys were going ahead. But it wasn't just some of the people that I mentioned. Just the other day, I was listening to various segments of Vlad uh, TV's interview. You know, Vlad TV, uh, he interviews various NBA players perennially. Uh, sometimes it's, um, I've seen him interview Matt Barnes. I've seen him interview Gilbert Arenas. I've seen him in- seen him interview John Sally. And recently he brought in Dominique Wilkins, one of the, I mean, the human highlight reel, one of the greatest players of all time, top 75 guys. So we're not talking about a slouch. We're talking about Dominique freaking Wilkins here. One of the, one of the top, like one of the greatest ever. And they were on there talking about Michael Jordan. They talked about Scottie Pippen. They talked about why um, he believes some NBA players don't participate in the slam dunk. They talk about a range of things. But in this one particular segment, Vlad asked him about some of the things that J.J. Redick had to say about uh, Larry Bird on ESPN. And when it came time for Dominique Wilkins to, to, you know, to, to give his thoughts, he did not hold back when he went in on J.J. Redick. So what we want to do is we want to quickly play uh, what Dominique Wilkins had to say here about J.J. Redick, and then we're going to come back and continue on with the show. Take a listen to that there. I had Dennis Rodman on recently, and when I brought up Larry Bird, he said that if Bird was playing today, he'd be playing in Europe. Okay, I'll, I'll put it this way. If Larry Bird played in this era, I think he'd be in Europe. His game was fit for Boston at that time in the 80s and stuff like that, you know, but... Uh, so, uh, today's world, oh, hell no. There's, there's no way. I'm not just, just uh, play, uh, downplaying him because he's a great player at that time, just like I was. And uh, But I'm saying, no, there's no way. No way. You know, I respect Dennis. A lot of respect Dennis. No Dennis Worth. He's a good dude. But um, that's delusional. <laughs> delusional. 
Larry Bird could play in any era and do the same thing he did in our era. It couldn't handle him. Today's players could not handle him, period. J.J. Redick made some comments also about Bird. He said he isn't a top five shooter, and he also didn't have the physicality that you have today, and you responded to that. He's stupid. I mean, it's, it's a stupid comment because Larry Bird played in the most physical era ever. He's 6'10", almost 6'11", and he was physical himself to say that he wouldn't be able to play in this league because this league too physical. Like, what league are you watching? Physicality is gone. <laughs> it's not like it was back then. And it's nobody's fault. It's just times change. And for J.J. Reddick to say stuff like this, the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. And, and for me, I'm like this, you know, I, like you guys speak your opinion, I'm going to speak my opinion. And I think it's very stupid and selfish of you to even make a comment like that. It's, it's crazy. And, and if you throw enough crap on the wall, a lot of it going to stick. I mean, do you think it's the white boy thing? You think that just him being white, he doesn't get the I don't respect? Care, I don't care what color he is. He can be blue. That's a bad man, period. Larry Bird. I tell you what, you ask most any guy who played against him, I mean, guys with the right frame of mind, they're going to tell you something totally different than what some of these guys, you know, trying to get their likes and all the and, and trying to get their social media likes up and all that stuff. That's all it's about. Because if you knew the game from the inside out and as a player, you would never say nothing stupid as that. So you heard uh, what Dominique Wilkins had to say. He was basically saying uh, that those comments were essentially, essentially stupid. Essentially stupid. And to be quite honest with you, at the time J.J. Reddick said that, a lot of us were floored. We're talking about a nine-time uh, All-Star, uh, what, five-time all no, what, five, wait, he's been on what, five, seven all-time All-NBA player, scoring champion in 1986, two-time slam dunk contest winner who was going against Michael Jordan, by the way, and also a top 75 guy. One of the greatest athletes to ever play in the NBA and arguably the best in-game dunker ever. It's either him, Vince Carter, and then there's everybody else. And of course, you have uh, Dr. J and all of that. But Dominique Wilkins was, I mean, you have Sean Kemp and all of these guys. But Dominique Wilkins was absolutely incredible. So we're not talking about just any old body here or somebody that's way more accomplished uh, for example, than J.J. Redick in his own field, right? So we're, we're talking about a, 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 a serious voice here. For him to say that what J.J. Redick, uh, for him to say what J.J. Redick said was stupid, I think was 100% on the money. It was 100%. It was 100% on the money, and I'll tell you why. First of all, it is quite obvious. It is quite obvious that the era, the 80s and the 90s, the era in which Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and all of these guys played in was obviously the more, physic, uh, the more physical era. This is not even up for discussion. Players get hard fouled. You can hand check guys. You can knock them out of the air. And guys will get into a fight. Both of them will get fouls and continue on with the game. Techn technical fouls and then continue on with the game. You can't even think about throwing a punch at somebody in the NBA today without being thrown out of the game. The physicality is not even, it's not even questionable. You can't even come. So for J.J. Redick to say that was confounding for him to. It's like you're spitting in the face of NBA fans and telling them it, and telling them it's raining. It's a joke. I even remember the audio of when Kobe Bryant 
sat down and was talking to Floyd Mayweather. And he was saying to Floyd Mayweather that in this current NBA, you can't even touch these mofos. For those of you guys who don't believe that, we're going to quickly play what Kobe had to say to Floyd Mayweather about the lack of physicality in this game today. And then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to Kobe here. But I thought a protein, I thought a protein just went over and played another protein. Yeah, but they still be playing some exactly. weird ass teams, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but over there, over there, over there, over there, over there. But listen, over there, the rules kind of different. I think when the ball be like on the rim, you can like you can knock it off. Okay, I'm about to. That's why you know what though? They let they let they let you play over there too. Yeah, you gotta really get fouled. Yeah. They let you play. You really gotta get fouled. No, I hear they change the rules up. Shit, you can't even touch them. Right. Don't touch them. Crazy. So you heard what Kobe Bryant, that's Kobe Bryant. That's Kobe Bryant we're talking about here, right? So even Kobe said that. So for him to say that was laughable. Today's game is so much more softer. It's not even funny. If you factor in load management, if you factor in all of the medical uh, uh, facilities and all of these things that the, the aids that all of these things that these um, NBA teams and players have available to them, if you talk about logistics, the ease of traveling, where they charter their own planes now for an entire season, it's laughable to say otherwise. So when Dominique was saying it is stupid, folks, it's stupid. Because J.J. is acting like as if he has these eyeballs that no one else has. It's like, bro, we're all looking at the same information. We're all looking at it. And he's talking about if you see uh, uh, Larry Bird come off a pin down and he's wide open, it means the pin down worked. It wouldn't have been successful had he not come off uh, uh, the pin down and he got an open shot, right? But that's what you're going to base your entire thing on whether or not it's a more physical game. Stop. Like, let's just stop. Let's stop the madness. So for him to say that, man, I thought it was a bad look. To constant dis when you have players disrespecting the, the 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 players that paved the way for them in their sport, it is it's embarrassing. It it reflects poorly on you. On you, more so than the player that you're talking about. And that's the reason why some of the greatest players in NBA history went at him. When you have players like Jerry West and these guys calling you out, you know you did something wrong. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. As you guys know, on this channel, we've been discussing this for quite some time. I've been discussing some of the issues that NBA fans have with this current NBA play, with this current NBA, where it has become commonplace for them to be resting perfectly healthy players, sitting them down for rest when they are not injured. It has become a massive problem. As, so, as, as someone that is a Kawhi Leonard supporter, it is nauseating. I understand Kawhi Leonard has an injury history, but the Clippers, I believe, have abused this mechanism within the NBA rule system. I 100% believe that. They have taken it to the, I mean, they have abused it. And it is something that a, that a lot of fans are fed up about. Too often, all too often, we see players that are going to be, that are slated or supposed to be playing in a, te in a televised game, and you see them sitting on the bench, and the injury report, all you see is, DMP. 
No injury listed, nothing. And the fans who paid good money, their money, to go to the games to patronize the product will be left uh, uh, basically holding the bag, trying to figure out what just happened. And none of the players or none of the teams would give fans an explanation. When some fans then push, you have some players that will basically tell fans to basically shut up. You should just be, you should feel privileged to watch us play. Imagine the audacity that you'll take my money and then get upset with me if I dare question the service that I'm getting. Just imagine the, the hubris in these guys. But this is where we are. In the case of the Clippers, I grew, I, I mean, I am absolutely fed up with the Clippers. Last season, and I said it throughout the season to give you guys a quick refresher, I said that the Clipper, if the Clippers are going to be doing all of this damn load managing, management, they better ensure that their best players are available at the end of the season. And what happened? The Clippers load managed all throughout the season. They were throwing games because these medical staff teams or whatever it is were telling them, no, 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 the science is saying that we need to sit these guys down. And I always called it out because from a logical standpoint, it never made sense. But what do some people like to do whenever you try to apply logic? They try to shut you, shut you down and say, no, no, what the science says so. Because they know when they say that, it's going to be very hard to then question them on that, question them on that, because then it's going to look like as if you're questioning science, which some people are turning into some bloody ism that you cannot question. So the Clippers, they decided to low manage their stars all the way towards the end of the season. And then what happens in April? I believe No, no. Right before the playoffs started, Paul George suffers some freak injury when he's going up for a rebound lands uh, awkwardly. His knees buckle. He's out. So all of that load management prevented absolutely nothing. In the case of Kawhi Leonard, who they were load managing when they, didn't, when they then decided to ramp up his minutes at the end of the season, what ended up happening? They tried to ramp up his minutes and then his body wasn't used to that type of rigorous load being put on his body because after all, you're playing him, resting him, playing him and resting him. So it's hard for his body to develop a callus. He goes out there in game one, he injures himself. Game two, he plays game two. Then we didn't see him for the rest of the playoffs. Then at the end of the season, the Clippers had the audacity to go out there and say, oh, you know, the uh, team president, oh, well, you know, now we got to put an emphasis on the regular season. We got to really take it seriously. So what were you doing before? What were you doing before? Then what happened? Yesterday, I'm going through the internet and I came across a clip because there was a new uh, 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 provision that was made in the NBA, which basically is going to be penalizing NBA players or penalizing NBA teams, excuse me, for sitting down stars when they're perfectly healthy, especially for televised games. And you can no longer sit out two stars for televised games, which I 100% agree with. To quote the great Kobe Bryant, it is your job to ensure that you're ready to go through the rigors of an 82-game season. Otherwise, what the hell are you being paid all that money for? That was Kobe Bryant's position on it. And I would and, and, and I think Kobe's views on this matter supersedes any single person talking about it, especially if it's coming from an NBA player. I don't want to hear a goddamn thing of what J.J. Redick and these guys have to say in comparison to what Kobe had to say. In comparison to him, the hardest worker ever, arguably to ever play in that league. So yesterday I came across a clip of Commissioner Adam Silver, who had been looking weak on the issue, by the way, who had been looking like they've been letting the NBA players run rampant all over them. He decided in a press conference to basically come out there and call out some of these teams and players for basically load managing and essentially saying that the science is inconclusive as to whether or not load management is a preventative measure that actually works. 
So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Commissioner Adam Silver had to say here, and then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to what uh, Commissioner Adam Silver had to say there. It's a shared view by everyone in the league. It's not just coming from the league office. I think whether it's our teams, our players association, individual players, I think there's an acknowledgement across the league that we need to return to that principle, that this is an 82-game league. And that, of course, doesn't mean that we're turning the clock back, that players are expected to play through injuries, or that players, frankly, never need rest. But I think it's there's a statement of a principle that if you're a healthy player in this league, that the expectation is that you're going to play. In terms of how long we've been working on it, I'd say with a, with a more serious focus, roughly in the last year, it became part of, part of collective bargaining. I should say it's, the, the player participation policy is part of many steps we've taken, whether it's in the bargaining agreement itself, the 65-game um, uh, limit for eligibility uh, for awards, creating different incentives for players, you know, like the play-in tournament, for example, like the in-season tournament to, to focus attention on the regular season. I, it, but the policy itself, I think it was the Players Association um, was very much part of it. Um, we had extensive discussions with them and then with individual groups of players, particularly veterans in the league, um, about um, how they thought we should be approaching it. And I, the last part of your question, yes, I, I do worry about infringing on how a team operates. And while we want to have, state a strong principle, I would say, at least initially, we're taking a somewhat light touch here. I think in, in, under the notion that change will probably happen here incrementally. I think we'll state this principle, see how teams react, and see if more needs to be done. But I, th I think most importantly, there's a sense from all the different constituent groups in the league that this is ultimately about the fans and that we've taken this too far. I mean, this, this is an acknowledgement that it's gotten away from us a bit. Honestly, that's what I had been told as well, that it was the science. And I think it may be why the league um, didn't become involved maybe as deeply as we should have earlier on. And part of the discussion today was about the science. And frankly, the science is inconclusive. I think if there, and I've said this before, if the science were clear that players should be resting, we would be favoring it. And frankly, I'd be delivering the message to the fans even that you want these players to rest at certain times because that's going to keep them healthier and performing at a higher level and ensuring that they're on the floor at critical parts times in the season. What we talked about today is that the the correlation, putting aside causation, isn't there even with players who participate in summer competitions like World Cups and Olympics. They are not more likely to get injured in that season. We don't see any statistical data suggesting that players um, increase their likelihood of getting injured as they go further along in the season or even in back-to-backs, which may surprise people. Part of the commitment here for, from the league office is we are putting together a group of team doctors and scientists and others and trying to better understand it. One thing I want to make clear, that the message to our teams and players is not that rest is never appropriate. And I realize there's a bit of an art to this, not just the science, and that's with the 
hands-on trainers and coaches who are talking to players and saying, how do you feel? I'm certainly not saying that's not relevant. I think, at least in the first instance, in terms of this policy, we're trying to deal with some of the most egregious examples where multiple star players, for example, healthy, healthy, all out on the same night, healthy, healthy. And I think that's, we're letting down the fans, we're letting down our partners by doing that. But at the same time, we're stating a principle in terms of an 82-game league and saying, let's all work together. And I think that's, that was, I, th I thought, uh, the best news coming out of, of this policy, whether it was with the Players Association, individual players, or with our teams over the last two days, everyone is acknowledging this is an issue. So you heard what the commissioner had to say there. I'm going to go off here. I'm going to go off here because the only person's face I can picture right now is J.J. Redick. I don't know why. Let me tell you guys where I'm going to go off. One of the arguments that has been made in support of load management by some of these guys is that the pace is faster. Players are running more. And therefore, the load on players' bodies is more. So therefore, it makes sense to rest more because their load has gone up. To that, I call bullocks. That's absolute bullocks. And I'll tell you why. You see, these people, I think they think they talk to people that cannot, they, they, they can't read and write or that are that illiterate or they, they can't, they, they, they cannot reason. If you can reason and parse the words that you, that these guys are saying, you will quickly understand that these guys are talking a bunch of rubbish. First of all, these two things cannot exist. Number one, we've heard these are the most advanced athletes of all time. These are the most skilled players of all time. These are the most, at most athletic players of all time. This is what these gentlemen are saying, that they're so much better than the generations in the past, which I call BS on, because you cannot quantitatively measure that. How do you prove this? You can't. It's just something that's being thrown out there, propagated all over the media to make this error seem like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. They say this, right? So you're saying that these players can do X, Y, and Z better than players in the past, but then they cannot handle the stress of this game? I'm trying to figure it out. Help me figure it out. If these players are so advanced, why are they getting injured so much? No, help me figure it out. If they're so advanced, why are they getting injured so much? Why do players in the past, why were play players excuse me, in the past playing more games per season than players today. What happened? I thought those guys were a lesser version of these players here today. Help me figure it out. Mr. Smart Guy, help me figure it out. What are we missing? What information are we, are we unaware of? You then say, oh, the reason that's happening is because of the load that's being put on them. But the load that's being put on these NBA players is a byproduct of the rule changes. It's a byproduct of the rule changes. They wanted to speed up the game. And oh, by the way, do you know that this is not even the fastest pace that the NBA has been? Do you know that there was actually a faster pace in the 80s? I think the 70s and 80s. Are you guys aware of this? Are you aware of this? Are you aware of this? So it has nothing to do with the pace. Has absolutely nothing to do with the pace. To quote or paraphrase quickly what the great Tim Grover said, he said the reason that you see so many players getting injured is because you see a lot of them training with resistance bands and all of that stuff instead of training with weights and doing compound movements and pushing heavy weight. 
that's one of the things that is leading up to all of these injuries, which means it's a philosophical issue. And a player that is highlighted or rather echoed the points that he said is Paul George. Because Paul George said it on the Paul George podcast that he said that when he first came into the NBA, they were doing two-a-days. And he believed that it was actually making his body stronger. And he said, "By but in this current NBA, when you're stopping and going, stopping and going, he actually believes is making players weaker. Which, by the way, is the same issue happening in the NFL that I heard listening to Shannon Sharp and uh, Chad Ochocinco. Help me figure it out. So it turns out these players are no more advanced than players were in the past these players are not running faster than players were running in the fast in the past they're not jumping any higher than players were jumping in the past players today are just as fast and just as athletic as they've always been as they've always been these guys are crazy they're talking about evolution you're talking about macro evolution versus micro evolution these guys are fools they're just up there talking. What the hell do you think were you expecting to happen? That these guys evolved at what? They were the players just grew from 6'6, six, six, all of a sudden they're 8'3? What are you talking about? They evolve. In what way? In what way? They can't even explain this with a straight face. They can't. They're just there talking. One guy will say, This is the most advanced player ever. And another guy will say, Yeah, it is. And that's it. Nobody will walk in the room and say, but hold up, can y'all explain what y'all mean by that? Because I'm too stupid to figure it out. Can you help me figure it out? No one can do that. They're just making up things as they go. Making it up. Load management doesn't work. The way in which players are being trained by these medical staffs who have made a killing off of these boys, we're finding out it's not working. And it's going to affect a lot of people's pockets. When you have the NBA commissioner saying during the meeting, we conducted research and found out that the evidence was inconclusive. Meaning they can't conclude that it works. They can't. And then at the end of all of this, the person that suffers is the fans. And I don't hear any about the, anything about the fans. And then when you ask these guys, okay, listen, the load is too much lower the games. You know what they'll say? Oh, well, we can't do that because it's a very difficult situation. What the hell do you think they're talking about? They're talking about they don't want to lose no more money. So they want to give up the money. They want to play less and then you're going to pay for it. Think about what these guys are saying. Don't just accept it because they're saying it. You see people go sit down in the arena to see a celebrity talk and he'll say one thing that makes no sense and everybody will start clapping. Yeah, whoa, yeah, that was a good, whoa, you made a point. Then somebody in the back can say, hold up, I didn't understand. Wait, this guy just said nothing. So I'm glad that uh, Commissioner Adam Silver came down on this. It's an issue that needed to be addressed and I'm very happy with this. Hopefully they're able to implement it. Thank you for listening to today's show and don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.